0: Good morning, Gardenia. Happy Wednesday. We are back. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much to Jim and Steve Remus, our co-host yesterday for stepping up without me. I'm doing a great show. I hope you all enjoyed it. Um I haven't heard any uh any negative feedback, so they couldn't screw it up too bad. No, it's all, it's all been great and uh thank you again. Really, it's it's it means a lot to me to have this great team behind adam versus the man now and to be able to know that hey if i and, and you know what i i don't have any other explanation right now for why we had signal challenges yesterday except that there was a ton of fire smoke in the air around here like you we walked out yesterday morning and it smelled like you were standing next to a campfire. Like it was right Everywhere. I looked around the property to make sure nothing was. Broken. Yeah. Yeah. It was like that. And you're like, Oh, whoa, well, shit. Yeah. It's nasty. And a big part of this is due to the heat wave. And, and what it was, it was that last week, right? Joey, uh, it was, uh, before we left for Habits, it got really hot and then we had a storm come through. It was lightning fires. And there were several in the area, and, and several that, that got uh, quite large. And every time I see that, like, and, and I, of course, as a libertarian, I look for any excuse to blame government for everything. Uh, but in this case, I think about like what is the natural life cycle of forests with fires, and I think about you know how much I have a deep relationship with the trees of Juniper Wood Ranch, and particularly Gardenia here, and that there is a natural cycle. Right in 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 forests of fires coming and cleansing things, and that there's this is a natural phenomena of the planet we live on, that there was intense heat and cycles and weather and blah 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 blah. And nature has adapted and said, Oh, okay, well, we're gonna have plants that require forest fires in order for their seeds to Fuck! What's the science? <laughs> Not germinate? No, no, no. But I know. Right. but you know, there's a, there's another scientific term for how some seeds. Uh, look, look this science. up. Look, look it up. Look it up. Look it up. Uh, no, there's 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 some kind of of tree and bush and different things that have seeds that will only uh, make germination possible. Uh, maybe maybe it's just germination. Maybe it's just fire induced germination. But there's I remember learning about this as a kid in California. There was a certain kind of bush. That bears ate, and if a bear ate it and pooped it out, yeah, the bear like the bear digestive system would just take the shell off enough for it to germinate. But it also spread it around. I'm like, you think, wow, who came up with that evolutionary strategy? Oh, Mother Nature over millions and millions of years. She kind of
1: knows what she's doing. So
0: similarly, there are seeds and there's there's plant reproduction that requires fire. And there's a, na- like, and, and I think like, you know, there's, there's kind of, is there, is there a way around this? Like for, for humans to say, well, you know, we don't really need fire turnover. We have it in a controlled way and burn a large area and then and, and have like rotational, burn. like this is a natural phenomenon of the planet we live in. That is incompatible with human civilization. How we want to live comfortably. That there are waves of rolling wildfires that are natural and necessary and essential for the health of the na- the, the biosphere, the bi- whatever you want to call it. Right. It's a good. thing. It's a good thing for the natural balance and harmony. And
1: yet, try to recreate
0: this. Well, we sh- well we should be able to and manage this to our advantage the same way we move water and we move water in some amazing you guys have heard of indoor plumbing right we don't have in gardenia, but it's a thing i I understand um that that we we move water from the ground we drill giant holes in the surface of the earth and pump it up and make swimming pools and lush oases in the desert and you go but that's not natural no but We do it, and we do it in some great ways. Obviously, we do it some horrible ways too. Look at the dams and rivers and pollution and blah blah blah. And like even that, you can say we do in good ways and bad ways. I think managing fire similarly, we do in good ways and bad ways, and one of the worst ways. This is a libertarian podcast, after all. We're back to blaming government is through national forestry land mismanagement. And as opposed to private or local community ownership, the federal government has control over so much land in the United States. And they don't... uh, It's like now we have... Colorado does a great job. That doesn't surprise me. Because because the, the public in Colorado will demand and expect good environmental management From the government at the state level. But what about federal lands in Colorado? I think they're managed by the Colorado Bureau of yeah, And if not, I mean, those people are in Colorado. But again, local control, engaged communities, better resource management every time.
1: They warn you a week ahead of time. I'm having a control burn next week, and here's how long we expect it to go, and yada yada, and that's that. Yeah, and that then there's less just, natural fires; they get out of control,
0: and they never affect residential areas on a massive scale, no, right? You gotta I mean, get rid of those old those trees, kinds of man. They're, they're yeah, big. so if there is not, why is Joey? Why is Colorado different?
1: I, I don't know why it is,
0: because because they can have weed there, maybe. <laughs> is it because they're high? Smoking weed makes you care about the environment. Well, it's true. There, it makes you. Smoking weed makes you hug trees. <laughs> uh, um, you know, I don't know why, because they're,
1: I, they're not great on a lot of other things. I mean, I could, I could definitely criticize the regulation in Colorado as much as I uh,
0: applaud well, I'll, I'll the, the forest why. management. I'll tell you why. It's, it's the public paradigm. It's the community involvement. It's the demand. It's the engagement. And so, you know, we can talk about government solutions to this all day long and say, oh, I get get land out of the hand of the federal government. Like, no, you have to make people care. Yeah. You know, and it's this is a weird dilemma for a lot of us as libertarians. We're like, wait, can't they just realize that we're right about everything and change it? It's like, no, there has to be an improvement in the market and market demand and market. And and, and I, I wholeheartedly believe this is the natural course of market progress anyway, to greater creation of value, to greater satisfaction of human needs, et cetera, et cetera, preservation of value. And so. Part of what we're doing as libertarians, it it has to be more than just being right about everything. Scott Williamson uh, on Facebook, let's suppress fire so the fuels build up to the point where they explode. Yes, because humans are (laughs) unintelligent by far. Yeah, so that's part of it is the mismanagement is not letting controlled burns happen when and where they might need to happen or yeah. providing appropriate protections or other, maybe we have better ways. I'm not pretending to be an expert here. We might have other ways. I'm just a dude who loves trees. <laughs> like I Literally, like I love, I love trees right? on my 10 acres here. I have about 300 and a lot of them are survivor trees who survived getting knocked over by cable dragging in the fifties and sixties when the Humans coming in with their cattle decided that the juniper wood trees that had been here for hundreds of years were an invasive species. Uh, Two bulldozers, cable in between them, knock down trees. Like the secret? Yeah, Why? I normally make, it, uh, that? Been, so so this will be the trick. Like if someone comes here, like we often ask them, Can you figure out how the survivor trees got that way? By the way, at the Garden of Freedom on Instagram. Cool pictures of survivor trees. Although we really need some you know, we've been so overwhelmed with puppies and kittens who are oh, so kittens. photogenic oh, that, that I haven't been taking a lot of tree pictures lately. we and we got sunsets, sunrises. We have got the Milky Way picture with Joey standing in it by my pickup. Big K. Governments are extremists, indeed. So that brings us back, you know, to today's one headline to get out of the way before we get into the meat of the show. I didn't mean to do that rant. That was that was not planned. But no, We have to make people want to want stuff. Like we have to like, like, and, like that's in a way what we're doing as libertarians is saying, come on guys, let's pay attention to what really matters. What's really valuable. Let's stop making decisions based on the U S dollar and bottom lines and numbers. Cause that's not value. That's not living well, things that are measured in fiat currency. No, let's value health. Let's value environmental resources. Let's let's value clean air. Nice to you. I, I, yeah, you want to add an adjective to me. I'm I'm, I'm a hippie libertarian, tree hugging libertarian, homesteading libertarian, guilty as charged.
1: I'll take it. And,
0: I, and and and, it. and the one sort of political bridge that I'll make, but even if you look at something like uh Professor Walter Block's analysis of privatization of the Mississippi River—beautiful analysis showing the potential of the, you know, uh, private property model—and it's uh, still a kind of community. It's a, a voluntary market-based community, and in a lot of places for managing natural resources, localization through government is going to be the way forward. This is like my big, my big compromise with the state is okay. We'll take you apart from the top down, but we'll let you survive as local entities until we're ready to really transition away from this whole model. And for the potential for managing environmental resources, we are, especially with the population still exploding as it is um, globally, we need new ways, we need new models, we need new approaches to... Identifying and creating value, and, and and a lot of that comes into environmentalism. Do we really value the environment? And I would wager that most liberals who want the government, or even even conservative status, whatever, who consider themselves environmentalists, don't really care. They're outsourcing it. It's a virtue signaling thing. It's not really actually doing something. You want you want to say, buy a piece of land and be a good steward of it. Yeah. Talk about real solutions, not just feel good keyboard slacktivism so yahoo.com has us talking about this today with this headline scores dead as record-breaking heat wave grips canada u.s big k by the way tsa doctrine states people who support the constitution are constitutionalists are considered extremists. since so we will support our fine principles <laughs> uh, domestic extremism well it's funny because everybody in the federal government derives their authority quote-unquote from said constitution, making them extremists by virtue of just holding constitutional positions. Uh, yeah. Oh. So, yeah, I, I mentioned it before uh, that Canada hit 121. That's incredible. Ooh. I, yeah. I, yeah.
1: I might, you know, I never wanted to visit Canada. I might. I might sounds like a good idea.
0: That's funny. We were listening to. Um, the Philip DeFranco show yesterday, but I love that guy. YouTube legend, big player. It's great. And he was making fun of Arizona. And it's funny because he, if he had just said Phoenix, I would be like, yeah, but he said Arizona. I'm like, ah, uh, like, because he's like, people shouldn't live there. It's in And I say this about Gosh. Phoenix all the time. Gosh. Like, like Phoenix. It's, I mean, it's consistently 20 degrees hotter than it is here in the mountains. Like Arizona is a backward state. The people live in the, hot inhumane desert in the south when there's this beautiful treed mountainous environment in the northern half of the state it's not even like the little central part i mean okay yeah you got the western desert around kingman etc you know but but north central and east arizona and like really the bulk of the state is beautiful how the fuck did so many people end up living in phoenix it, you it can blame government there. for this. These are a state capital, freeway, freeway crossroads of the 10 and the 17, and really it should have been the 40 and the 17. And flags. Flagstaff should be the capital of Phoenix or the capital of Arizona, not Phoenix. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of caveats to that statement. But uh, to Philip DeFranco, uh, I love you, dude. If you if you want ever want to come visit us here in the mountains in in northern Arizona. Uh, you are more than welcome. I hope someone sends him the video with this timestamp, so it just, it just comes in. And anyway, uh, yeah, it's it's here in the mountains. You know, it, it's funny because I've got my mom who lives in Seattle complaining about the heat. It's crazy, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, it's a hundred here," and I'm like, "That's." She's like, "Oh, you're in Arizona, but like, no, it's, it's 88. It's, it's nice." Yeah, it nice. And actually we did we did it's funny cuz we had a heat wave here like a
1: week ago
0: I it less than it that, A few days ago. And it ended a few week, days ago. Yeah. It seems we've come off it. it but it was wow. like it it peaked in the 104-106 range for a few days. Yeah, but then we went down in elevation. and It was like 117 or something. Yeah, maybe. no, I mean it's silly. Like, well, Ooh. then we went to Havasu, and Havasu was 117. Yeah, Havasu was also like, but by then it was in the 90s here. Havasu is like like Phoenix, about you know pretty consistently about 20 degrees hotter gross, than it is here. It's gross. Yeah, um, the gym is showing some great pictures of of all the the stock photo new stock photos of people enjoying warm temperatures. But it's funny, like, now it's, people want to, like, I know we live in a temperate mountain climate, and it's really nice here most of the year, and, uh, you know, we, we have a bit of a winter, um, but it's funny when this, like, heat wave came through the southwest, and I guess it was because we are in the mountains, it never got that bad here,
1: okay. you know,
0: it, it got to 105, well, it got to legit 106 one day here, right, I think. And probably not even here. That was like that was the weather app. It was too hot for clothing. I'll I'll just I'll say that much. But that's nice to be able to walk around naked comfortably.
1: No, but it's it's not nice (laughs) to walk around naked and sweating
0: your ass off though. That's okay. So nothing else. That's the what I love about having chosen this climate is there's enough swing in the seasons, and if you want most of that swing to be in really nice practical range. You're gonna have a peak above and a peak below, and or a valley below. And for us, the valley's actually bigger here with the winter. You know, we have snow on the ground yeah. about a month a year. But even that, like, I like it. And most of our winter days are go outside and work in a t-shirt kind of days, right? So- hey, Neil Ratamaker, who's been here uh, on on YouTube, says, "How is the current broadcast pushed to Facebook?" IFTTT Zapier? No, it's through StreamYard. Yeah, um, Neil is also independent media producer. Uh, and video editor, and curious about all these things, we really need to get to our co-host. But uh, we should say at least 134 people have died suddenly since Friday in the Vancouver area. That's in Canada, yeah. and that's according hits. according to figures released by the city police department and the Royal Canadian Mounted Yachmen. I mean, police, police. Um, but yeah, the Vancouver Police Department alone. Yeah, that was a Ren and Stimpy reference. The Vancouver Police Department alone... I got it. I, got said it. I got responded it. to more than 65 sudden deaths since Friday. Um, I mean, this isn't funny. we It's serious shit. Uh, people are dying because of the heat. And our guest today, Alex Kaufman, who is going to be joining us to try to convince me to get a COVID vaccine... Yeah, that's going to be fun. Um, ...is, is uh, in Seattle. And one of the things I, I saw in the yesterday's stories that I I didn't get to cover myself because Steve was covering for us, Seattle is what the, the the least air conditioned major city in America or number fifteen. I mean something way down the list. It's like so like forty four percent of homes have air conditioning there, and so when a heat wave like this hits, talk about old frail people or just frail people. Um, if you don't have air conditioning, you weren't prepared. You know, maybe you're living at home or in an apartment when you should be in an assisted living situation,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: you kind of struggle with the heat, and then a heat wave like this hits, or you don't struggle with the heat because you have air conditioning, and then the air conditioning goes out for a little while. You don't notice, but you're dehydrated, and it's go oh, fuck yeah. Frail people die. That's why they shouldn't <laughs> live in Phoenix. Stevenson W. right in cold water and your schools your system quickly and safely. <coughs> Never heard of that. Um, I guess it, I guess we should include some practical tips. Take take a jug of cold something and put it between your legs, chill your balls, uh, femoral arteries. Uh, that was something they taught us in the military. That sounds. Uh, but armpits, yeah. right? You have you have large masses of exposed uh, blood just under the skin, not exposed. Let I say that. You have yeah. Obviously, you have you have lots of flowing blood close to the surface. Um, wrists. Armpits, elbow pits, groin, knee pits, um, top right. of the foot.
1: Yeah, right here under your
0: wrist. That's what that's what that's W was saying was that if you're hot and you need to cool down a herb, if you have cold running water. Yeah, put in you Put your wrist they, under that. You they your taught your us that. that, that in elementary elementary now play. I want to try that. I want to like let my body get really hot one of these no, days. I remember
1: the gym teacher taking, taking us
0: to the water field. That, you know, in
1: elementary school, and having us do that, when we were too hot.
0: Because I think about giving blood. When I give blood, and I do the double power red, and they they pull the blood out, and then they centrifuge out the red blood cells, and through two other hoses, pump your, um, gosh darn it, forgetting the turn now. Dag Nabbit. But Dag Nabbit now they pump your um the what what's left in your blood after you take the red blood cells out. Um, Platelets. Yeah, but that's not it. Mike Freeman, it's so hot in Portland right now. is sitting up ACs instead of burning shit down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love our audience. Um oh, no, what is it clear what's left over when you take the red blood cells out of your blood? Plasma. No. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking of I, blood you know, I told this story a bunch of times and I wasn't expecting to tell it right now. Anyway, when they put that other stuff back into your body, so they pull out whole blood. And it goes into a machine sitting right next to you. And I'm I'm overdue. I really need to get back in and give blood, um, but they, they they have a machine next to you, and your whole blood goes in, and it centrifuges out right there next to you, the whole blood cells, and sends the remainder of your blood back in with um, an IV fluid, and that's like room temperature, and you feel it cold, like I felt it cold, like coming in coming into my heart. From my arm and then out like radiating across the other side of my body. It was really cool. Um, anyway, yeah, good stay cool, people. With that, Jim, producer notes, please.
2: What's going on? Good morning to you. Great show so far. I can't wait to get to this guest. That's gonna be a fun back and forth. So we'll see what happens there. Uh join us public telegram t.me forward slash Adam versus the man. That's where you'll see all the links to the show uh if we don't cover some of the links today you can find them there so you can read them for yourself if you want to so that's fun get connected patreon.com forward slash adam versus the man is where you can support the show we're going heavy on patreon because we're trying to get rid of the youtube censorship world one five ten or even fifty dollars a month are the different levels to support the show ten dollars a month to get you access to a private producers club chat which is an awesome feature that we run so definitely look into those different levels, get yourself connected. And, uh, nextly homefrontbattlebuddies.com. Give this, uh, website a visit. It's a nonprofit organization designed to help veterans. Any, uh, donations that you send to this homefrontbattlebuddies.com is tax deductible to the big bad government. So definitely visit homefrontbattlebuddies.com. Click all the buttons, read all the words, read all the bios for the team and uh, get yourself involved, get yourself connected. Next, we got Instagram. Adam mentioned it earlier. I was actually scrolling through it and looking for a picture of that survivor tree, the specific one he was talking about, but I couldn't find it. But there are lots of cool other pictures of fur babies and trees and everything else at Instagram, at the Garden of Freedom. So definitely check that out. Give it a scroll. It'll uh, lighten your heart and give you some positivity in your day. The Crypto6.com. Somebody in the comments, Big K, I believe it was, was just asking about uh, the status of Ian Freeman. We did a show on this. Ian Freeman, I believe, is out of a cage. But the person who's still in a cage, you can write to with this button right here. Who go, Write to those still in cages. It gives the address of the jail so you can find out. These are the QR codes that you can donate to to help with their legal uh, situations. So definitely... Check out the Crypto6.com for all your updates on that situation. And lastly, GoGreenEnergyOnline.com is the best website we send everybody to that is looking to do it yourself for solar power, micro wind power, or zero energy homes. If you want to get your home off the grid, even if you live in the city, you can learn all about it at GoGreenEnergyOnline.com. So visit it, read it, educate yourself, and have a great day. Enjoy the show.
0: All right. And with that, Ant joins us in the co-host chair this morning. Good morning, brother. Sorry for that long rant. I should have just brought you in on it earlier because, like, Joey's co-hosting, and you're just sitting there doing the comments.
3: No, that's well, fine, man. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> uh, as you can see by my lackluster lighting and my sparse background, I am back here in, in the old patch doing my thing, trying to make some money. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they call it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I was looking, I've been paying attention to this heat wave in the in the Northwest, and I was just thinking, man, it's just, there's going to be a lot of people that die. They just don't, aren't used to that heat. They they go to these places a lot of times to get away from the kind of heat that we have in West Texas. And West Texas, most of us, just another day, but I was just like, wow, I was like 100. what's just another day in West Texas in July? Like, it's it's still high 90s, 90s right? 100, I mean, huh? it's 105, 108. Hell, we've had... It was the hardest temperature ever recorded. Like it was like 119, or 121, right here where I work in, oh. in uh, Kerm- or not Kermit in uh, uh, Monahan, Texas. So, I mean, it, we get 120 degree weather and it's it's hot. You know, it's more than normal, but average 105 to 110 is just an everyday deal. We had a guy on location the other day. With equipment that we work around, we're, we're talking 200 degrees outside with the, the heat of these engines. These engines are bigger than people's houses. And these engines for these rigs put off so much heat that when you walk by them, it's like you're walking by an oven. And uh, so, I mean, I have worked consistently 150, 160 degree temperatures outside. You know, the ambient temps, maybe 105, but, you know, 150, 160. So a little bit different kind of living when you do what I do, but I still felt bad for all those people in Washington that didn't ask for this heat. They don't have the air conditioning and they don't, you know, have the the methods to keep cool. Like we use and employ down here in West Texas. So what's the comment so contest
0: today? today?
3: So comment contest today is going to be um, the, I was trying to word the seat. Uh, I think Mike Freeman had one that made me laugh. That one that I put up there that had me laugh and maybe kind of rethink how I want to do the comment contest because okay. he says, uh, you know, it's so hot outside that Antifa's, you know, building air <laughs> conditioners have set things on fire. I, I, I kind of want to do something along that. Like, it's like, so
0: hot that fill in the blank, blank wrong answers exactly. only. Exactly, <laughs> it's so right? hot, okay. wrong
3: <laughs> answers only. Like exactly it. what I want to do. That's exactly right. All right.
0: You
3: it's so hot that there are
0: lightning forest fires, that there's so much ash in the sky that Adam can't get service on Verizon. That's it, how hot. How <laughs> it, it's it's so, so hot. That, all right, wrong answers only. Thank you, Ant. We'll be looking for your comments. By the way, uh, Joey, yeah, you were right. It's plasma. Um, and it's, yeah, I guess I was, it's possible, but it's, so it's plasma is the liquid component of blood. Like, why did I, like, I don't know why I thought of, the, but yeah, there are also white blood cells and platelets. So technically, it's not plasma. I was wondering so if they, like... they take plasma like and put back the blood in, right? No, 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 no. They take whole the blood, blood, blood and they put the plasma black in, back in because they took the red out. But I think they had another term for blood minus red blood cells because it's plasma plus white blood cells plus platelets. And those don't come out with the red blood cells. They take only the red blood cells out. do
1: we do to give blood? You're yeah, care. yeah.
0: No, I, I I try to give blood as often as I'm allowed. I was thinking my next civil disobedience action could be giving blood more often than allowed by federal regulations. Yes, I like that. Uh, because the people that are are like taking, I mean, it's it's uh, I'll I'll save spare you all my government regulation on <laughs> medical blood brand. But yeah, I, uh, Adam, you said you were going to spare them. All right, and let's get to our first headline then. Uh, today's main topic is a, a pretty heavy one and a, and a bit of a personal one for me. And we're going to start with this revolver.news story. Federal protection of Oath Keepers, King Ben, Stuart Rhodes breaks the entire Capitol insurrection lie wide open. And there, uh, I could say so much about like from just this headline we have a lot of related stories that i'm going to connect to this but the one thing i want to point out as a sort of pretext for this whole conversation is when cointelpro was exposed and said oh my bad we'll never do it again because the fbi is, is, is so honest historically that uh you know that Their their methods have evolved. And it's like, what's, what's better than controlling the opposition? Being the opposition. And it seems like there's a lot of both related to this. For example, I have long thought of Alex Jones as a kind of controlled opposition. And controlled opposition does not in any way Besmirch The person we are calling Controlled opposition necessarily Because I think Alex Jones Is for the I mean yeah he's bombastic He's sensationalist He's a political sellout in certain ways But overall He's there because he believes in it Right that's my take on Alex Given his history However How did he make his name AM radio The gatekeepers wanted him there. Healthy disrespect. It's so hot out. Kids in basic trainer having a black flag day. Oh, yeah, that's an interesting uh, flashback for me. Thank you for that. All right, so other stories related to this. You're going to see as we get into this big topic. And, yes, it's Wednesday. Don't worry. We're going to talk about COVID. And Gadget.com, our next one, Twitter bans far-right extremist group, the group The Oath Keepers. That's from September 10, 2020. And we'll get back to that when we get into this story. On uh, on Stuart Rose from Revolver. Next one you might have heard, CNN.com, CNN Business. Tucker Carlson claimed the NSA is spying on him. Even his own colleagues don't seem to believe it. And this is maybe more CNN partisan silliness in this particular headline today, uh, because we could have covered it, you know, yesterday with uh, you know one of the more objective pieces just describing what's going on with with Tucker Carlson and his show because, oh, his show's doing something interesting that might have outside implications. So we're going to look at that. We're going to cover that. Um, and, and Tucker Carlson is generally credible as a journalist, right? I mean, he's not... Um, I mean, a lot of people will dispute that, but it's still in the realm of interpretation, right? He doesn't lie on a show. He's not... An irresponsible journalist who doesn't cite sources or, or things like that. Um, he issues corrections, right? Bota uh, B, sixty nine. So outside, I wouldn't mind Bill Gates vlogging the sun, <laughs> spraying shock into the atmosphere. Reference, yeah, yeah, interesting. All right. So Fox News host Tucker Carlson made an explosive claim on a show Monday night that he had learned through a whistleblower that the National Security Agency is spying on him and planning to leak his communications in a bid to take him off the air. Now, right away, I, I mean, I, I've, I've imagined, uh, you know, various scenarios with myself where if someone, you know, sent me a fake threat from the FBI or, you know, leaked fake documents or phone calls or emails or text conversations that you could sway things a lot. But if Tucker Carlson is saying that his communications could be used to take him off the air, that's kind of an admission of guilt. Like, I like my email's been hacked. I have nothing to hide. Like, I... I have some private stuff that I'm like, eh, I'd rather you didn't see that, but you know what, if it gets out there, like nobody's really going to care and I don't really care, you know? Like that's, uh, what is it that would be taking him off the air? It is private communications, first of all. Like that's and, and in a bid too. Sure. Now the, the funny thing is that the NSA, Tucker Carlson comes out and says, the NSA is spying on me. And, and people go, that's silly. You're full of shit. And it's like, what are you talking about? The NSA spied on everybody. everybody. You're all full of shit for like like them. hello.
1: <laughs> yeah, guys uh, yeah, all, all right.
0: yeah, by the way, and and I I, I tweeted this to the FBI today because I'm 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 escalating my hunt for an FBI whistleblower. Um and I want my file, but I'm uh I'm I'm reaching out now to the FBI field office in Phoenix on Twitter directly. I did this morning, specifically asking for the guy who was here. Hope, hope. Trevor, uh Trevor. We'll just call him Trevor. Trevor. What was his last name? I don't know. But he looked like that tall guy good. on Whose Line Is It Anyway. He seemed like such a nice guy. Such a great guy.
1: Um, just, just so friendly and American. Yeah. I mean,
0: this guy almost almost good old boy.
1: Very good old boy.
0: Yeah. Um and and I wonder if if there's some, some bigger crack in the matrix right now that's going to allow this to happen it for, us, for us to get dimension. a whistle it has to be a possibility that we bring into this dimension then <laughs> <laughs> thank you fans of the Rick and Morty multiverse theory mm. Trevor 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 with the FBI you gonna call me, bro? Text me. I'll call you back. Uh, culbert. It's like yeah, I re- couldn't remember because it it's a, it's like like a, a a word like culvert, but I think mean, culvert pipe, but with a B, culbert or culvers. You know, just one of the names.
1: Culver, just a oh, just tweak to it. That place. <laughs> that place is delicious.
0: Yeah, well, we're talking about FBI agent <laughs> Trevor <laughs> Culbert now. Um, you know how to find me, bro. Like, I, or, come on, Trevor. Trevor, Trevor from the Phoenix FBI field office, Missouri battle flag. Twenty-five people listening to the dream of a libertarian utopia. <laughs> yeah, you guys rock. A world in which, uh. <laughs> The FBI blows the whistle on itself once in a while. D. Vincent W. was going through my Yahoo and came across old emails from Adam in 2008. At the bottom it said, this was intercepted by the feds. No wonder I have my very own YouTube employee watching me. Yeah, YouTube, you mean GovTube? Um, so this article from CNN on Tucker Carlson goes on to say that uh, none of the other... Fox hosts covered this. A search of Fox's transcripts did not reveal any coverage on Tuesday morning, even Fox and Friends, the right-wing morning show on Fox News that has latched onto several of Trump's conspiracy theories passed on the story, and the Fox News website also did not appear to carry coverage of Carlson's claim. Quick sidebar on this. It's like Right wing, far right wing, and 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 right wing is like in and of itself with the Republican Party a kind of controlled opposition where people who want smaller government are convinced to support a nationalist, socialist, fascist Republican Party um, as a, and and not learn about real libertarianism or voluntarism or you know that that socialism is bad when you do it to the military and the police too. Uh, in fact, that's that's the most important thing, security, right? So if you, if you don't have security, you don't have anything else. So why would you trust that to government? Oh, because you've been fooled as as controlled opposition. And I, I wonder, so, this slandering of the right wing, and this is where there is a natural affinity, not between Republicans and Libertarians, but conservatives who genuinely want smaller government and, 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 and do bring some ethical principles into their politics with libertarians. Uh are you wondering like is, is this is, is it, and they to the Johnny Hurley shooting in Arvada, Colorado for a second. One of the articles that local mainstream media or, or it's not even mainstream, it's like little I, I think you ye, ye, ye old corporate media something other shit. I just closed my Twitter because I shared it there.
1: Oh.
0: Uh I could pull it up. Um but they label Johnny as a libertarian, as a, as a self-identified right-wing extremist. It's like, you probably, and they, and they don't reference it. Uh, I mean, they, they probably, uh, you, you know, if, if, if that's a legitimate quote even, it was him referring to itself, to himself ironically, like me saying, well, according to the Biden administration, because I'm a libertarian, I'm a right-wing extremist. But uh, like with most things, they're wrong about that because libertarianism is not left or right. And even on the issues, um, you could make very subjective cases and convincingly either way that, um, you know, libertarian is is more aligned with the left or the right. Um, And in terms of, you know, being socially liberal, the way that this is being, uh, you know, split like this. It's it's. Really intellectually dishonest uh, Attempts at slander That they're throwing at us With, oh libertarians are right wingers And go They attack Fox News I go "Uh." They're basing this off of
1: The gun thing, that's it America thinks the only thing that separates The right and the left Is the gun issue
0: Well by the way, another thing on Twitter I'm I'm, I'm finding here is uh, Nick Gillespie and Cynthia McKinney. So Cynthia McKinney put t- tweeted something very controversial and pinned the tweet. It's a the final piece of the puzzle. It's got a picture of, of the, the Twin Towers burning on 9-11. It says Zionists did it. And, I mean, that's an, kind of an inflammatory statement, the way that uh, mu people, uh, the Jews, see, see mob people, um, have kind of made it. Uh, you know, hyper, made society made the world like sort of hypersensitive to anti-Semitism and and, and put them, uh, you know, this, this state of, in order to put the state of Israel, you know, uh, beyond criticism. And it, it fails because Israel is one of the most vicious, violent, easy to criticize governments of the world. It's it, I mean, up there with the United States and China and and you know we go around the world and try to play the game of who's got the most vicious government, but. Um, you know, Israel is up there and very relevant in world affairs. So it led to a very fun conversation with uh, with someone who ran for governor of New York as a libertarian. Um, let's see, I, I got to get in all my tweets uh, to, to find uh, to find that. I don't want to miscredit anybody, uh, but Nick Gillespie um, posted that as like you know a way to criticize it. And um, I've, I've invited uh, Nick Gillespie of Reason Magazine and Cynthia McKinney to debate this on the air. And I know that Cynthia would do it. I haven't texted her. I guess I, should, I could text Nick, too. It'd be a really fun debate to see. But I was going to my Twitter because I wanted to share this story. And it is from ColoradoTimesRecorder.com. That line is, Arvada, good Samaritan, who likely saved lives. Had deep ties to extremist guns and conspiracy group.
1: Aren't you in this article?
0: Yeah, that's what that's what was, that's what I was mentioning. It's really hilarious, and it's mostly about Luke Radowski. Who's Luke Radowski, Friend of mine, great activist, founder of We Are Change, uh, an inspirer of the We Are Change Colorado, which was uh, the, the most successful chapter. Although they're they're sort of defunct and coming back to real engagement now in the wake of the johnny hurley shooting i'm involved in a couple of the their chats on telegram and it's it's really great to see them come swing back into action they're going and looking at the bullet holes and poking holes in the government story already and it's going to come out the cops slide and they murdered johnny sure now whether it was a setup or not you know that's totally speculative but when enough of those things have come out you got to go hmm? And so what's funny about, it, I mean, I love this article. And then someone in uh in 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 they quote JJ McNabb, this cowardly academic woman who has blocked me on Twitter, who who does nothing but like use freak extremist violent incidents to demonize uh people who who she disagrees with politically. Um and like she says, uh the good guy with a gun was a right-wing anarcho-capitalist, and it's like Right there, you just show that you don't know what words mean. Like, and I'll call this woman out because she is like a truly horrific pro-state propagandist, intellectually dishonest slanderer of, of good people. And and so you right wing, if you're an anarcho-capitalist, you are literally dead in the middle like definitionally down the middle as much as anybody and you call them right-wing extremists like, millions of people buy this shit
1: though
0: <clears throat> yeah i mean that's why they do it millions. anti-government extremist researcher jj mcnab a fellow at george washington university's program on extremism scoured social media for information on hurley and others involved in the shootings. he discovered he self-identified as a right-wing extremist <laughs>
1: And what post? In what yeah. Universe?
0: All right. So bringing it back, I want to, I want like this, this, this whole segment is is really supposed to be um, about, uh, about Stuart Rhodes and federal infiltration and the new Co-Intel pro. So, next, but back to the Tucker Carlson story, deadline.com, our next headline in the stack. Tucker Carlson lashes out at NSA lies as Intel agency denies spying on Fox News hosts. And isn't someone going to step up and go, Wait, aren't we paying a lot of money for the NSA? I thought we were getting our money's worth. Aren't aren't they spying on everybody? Like at least collecting data on everybody? Uh, But the story goes, the National Security Agency has given... Tucker Carlson, a lesson in spycraft and fake news, one which looks certain to crank up the volume in the now war of words real and imagined in a rare social media rebuke. The agency agency shot down the Fox News Channel host's recent self-described shocking claim that in his primetime show were caught in an intelligence web. Uh, let's see, does it pulled up on Twitter? Uh, it's not pulling up on the story for me. The uh, On June 28, 2021, Tucker Carlson alleged the NSA has been monitoring our electronic communications and is planning to leak them in an attempt to take this show off the air. Now, see, that's the, that's the leap in the claim that gives them the chance to deny this. And this is why like, I am very, very careful in the way I word things. You know, And, and, and sometimes I, 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 might get, uh, I might slip up and say something as fact when I mean to say it seems to or it looks like or I have been told and the interesting thing is that, um, Tucker did Tucker Carlson allege that himself, or was he quoting his informant? This allegation is untrue, hey, and back, back to the statement. Tucker Carlson has never been an intelligence target of the agency, and the NSA has never had any plans to try to take his program off the air. And so you made it like hard for them to prove that. NSA has a foreign intelligence mission. We target foreign powers to generate insights on foreign activities that could harm the United States with limited uh, exceptions. For example, an emergency, NSA may not target a U.S. citizen without a court order that explicitly authorizes the targeting. That's the FBI's job. I added that last part. Um, So back to the uh, deadline story just now. Carlson on air called the NSA's comments an infuriating, dishonest formal statement. He went on to call it, quote, an entire paragraph of lies written purely for the benefit of the intel community's lackeys at CNN and MSNBC. Carlson then bloviated. When you say bloviated, you're like. Not an honest portrayal, quote, but at least it's a quote. The NSA has read my private emails without my permission, period. That's what we said. Today's statement from the NSA does not deny that. And that's an important point for Tucker to point out. They didn't say we haven't intercepted his, his digital communications. Of course we have. We intercept everything. Um, but the, the idea that they're trying to get him off the air, um, I don't know about that. Because that brings us back to the revolver story. Federal protection of Oath Keeper Kingpin Stuart Rhodes breaks the entire Capitol insurrection lie wide open. This is by, um, let's see, who, who wrote this? So it's like all the way at the bottom. This person is on, uh, the, the author, I've just been informed, is going to be on the War Room show. Um, as Probably right now, as we're speaking, um, but there's not an attribution here. It just says front page exclusive. Hey, Republicans, you can crack open the entire story of January 6, 2021 with one simple relentless question. What is the FBI and Army Counterintelligence's relationship with Stuart Rhodes? Neil Rademacher. Adam, I'm going to get you a cool so <laughs> I'm sorry to go with your awesome hair. Do I need a samurai sword to go with the hair?
1: You I think I can just, yeah, just
0: wear the hair and look cool. Um, Stuart Rhodes is the founder, boss, and kingpin of the Oath Keepers. The Oath Keepers, we are told, are America's largest militia, the most prominent anti-government group in the United States, and the preeminent right-wing domestic extremist insider threat to the entire U.S. military. Spot check news. Fuck Colorado. Free Eric Brandt. Uh, correction fuck the government of Colorado. Uh, mm-hmm. The state of Colorado is not keeping Eric Grant hostage. Whatever the truth of these hyperbolic claims, the fact remains, the Oath Keepers are the most extensively prosecuted paramilitary group alleged to be involved in 1-6. Indeed, it was the alleged pre-planned assault on the Capitol by Stuart Rhodes' alleged Oath Keepers lieutenants that was used as the key talking word to try to convert the day's events from a protest into an insurrection. Now, this is where I start to have some personal connection with the story because I think about Stuart Rhodes. When I was proposing a peaceful armed march on Washington and he said, no, we can't be a part of this. Oath keepers. I'm like, wait, you mean keeping your oath to the Constitution that says you have a right to do this? Your members want to do this, and I met with Stuart Rhodes in Washington D.C. weeks before the armed march on the Capitol was planned. And he said, "I'm going to stop the Oath Keepers from participating in this." And he said, "the Oath, The Oath Keepers is like we isn't that an or You don't respect members doing hmm, doing what they want without your permission as Oath Keepers, okay?" All right. And 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 I had my ideological problems with this as well. I thought it was quite quite disappointing. But I, I was grateful that there was... And, and it was at that point I, I, on air, cut up my membership card to the Oath Keepers. Uh, Ian E, Super Chat, weighing in for $5 on YouTube. Looking forward to having you on Battleline Podcast with me and Chris Tanto Peranto tomorrow, bro. Yes, got on my calendar. Looking forward to that too. Mm-hmm. So, another friend of mine, Mutual friend Richard Mack, Sheriff Richard Mack, and and Richard Mack is someone I I describe as uh, well, I mean, Sheriff Richard Mack, great dude, put his uh, career on the line, his life on the line, has has struggled in the trenches with other freedom activists in the Ron Paul days, um, has has come in and out of obscurity, uh, after suing the Clinton administration as a, uh, an elected sheriff. So the story goes on here now. But Stuart Rhodes is not simply a key figure in Oath Keepers. Stuart Rhodes is the Oath Keepers, according to Oath Keepers board member, Richard Mack. Albert Stuart Rhodes III, a one-time Army paratrooper, disbarred Yale lawyer, constitutionalist, gun enthusiast, and far-right media star, founded the group called Oath Keepers in 2009. Since then, he has written cross-currents of American anger and strife that ran from scrubby western deserts to angry urban protests right into the capital rotunda. Max said he and others also raised concerned, concerns about the Oath Keepers' participation in violent protests. He said it had become clear that the board had no real power. Quote, Stuart Rhodes is the Oath Keepers. It's hard to separate the two. It's his organization. He can do what he wants to do. Other dissenting voices found that they were no longer welcome. Jim Arroyo, the vice vice president of the Arizona chapter, said relations began to fray over Rhodes' insistence on total control. A mere indictment of Stuart Rhodes today for the same conspiracy charges alleged against his underlings would collapse the entire threat of the Oath Keepers that the country has heard so much about. Rhodes is central for this NPR quote now. Oh, let's get to this. Missouri battle flag. Charles Dyer was asked to infiltrate the Oath Keepers. Now he is under in Oklahoma prison, I was thrown under an Oklahoma prison. Charles Dyer. A lot of cloak and dagger stuff happening. NPR, Rhodes is the central figure of the organization. He's the founder, leader, and center of gravity for the group. In theory, then an indictment against Rhodes could lead to the group's collapse. The Justice Department argues that Rhodes Stuart Rose both substantially organized and activated and an imputed plan to use violence on 16 in real time through a series of encrypted signal messages beginning at 1.38 p.m. as Trump concluded his rally speech on the National Mall in 62 minutes. <coughs> excuse me, before Oath Keeper, Keeper's lieutenants allegedly formed a military stack to rush the Capitol doors. These facts alone, as alleged, are more than legally sufficient to secure an indictment of Stuart Rhodes. We will walk you through the mountains of direct and circumstantial evidence built on top of these allegations. But readers must understand this. The only reason Stuart Rhodes is not in jail right now is because of a deliberate decision by the Justice Department to protect him. Indeed, it is unclear whether the FBI has even sought to search Stuart Rhodes' residence, personal belongings, or electronic devices other than a single iPhone allegedly seized on streets from agents in unmarked FBI vehicles in late April since returned. Oh, shit, where else? Oh, that happened here. Uh, uh. For reasons discussed below, there's good reason to suspect the FBI will pursue a tightly controlled and very limited scope of investigation into Stuart Rhodes. Beyond that narrow scope, they may not want the information they are likely to find. Why doesn't anyone at the FBI or DOJ want him? If 1-6 was an insurrection, why protect the one man who more than any other individual referenced in the charging documents of the 530-plus open criminal cases comes closest to the media's ravenous description of a lead insurrectionist? Is it possible that the Oath Keepers, the most prominent anti-government group in the United States, has been run in effect by the United States government itself, and nobody has mentioned it until now. Revolver News generated tremendous discussion and controversy with our previous piece exploring the possibility that some of the unindicted individuals referred to in the 1-6 charging documents may be undercover agents or informants. With this piece, we intend to focus this discussion on a single individual, person one, i.e. Stuart Rhodes, the leader Of the Oath Keepers. If it turns out that Stuart Rhodes has had a relationship with the federal government, the implications would be nothing short of staggering. For Stuart Rhodes is not just a senior member of the Oath Keepers, he is the Oath Keepers. Let's see, checking in on the Producers Club here. Uh, Oh, Joey's showing more COVID stuff. Yeah, remind me, we're going to have to get back to that when we do our COVID block after our guest. Given the fact that the Oath Keepers are the major paramilitary organization imputed by government and media alike to be responsible for the most serious and egregious elements of the so-called 1-6 insurrection, follows that it would not only be fair but necessary to conclude that it is, in an essential respect, the 1-6 event was planned and orchestrated by elements of the government itself. I gotta say, I love seeing so many memes now. Joe Biden, well, AR-15s. You need nukes and F-15s to take on the government. But on January 6, a bunch of unarmed protesters almost took over the government. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Um, in other words, one six was not the result of an intelligence failure. As FBI Director Christopher Wray, the U.S. Senate of the Media tells us, rather 1-6 was the result of an intelligence setup. The following questions should be shouted from every megaphone, every street corner, and every congressional lectern until the American people get full and complete answers. Does the FBI now or has it ever maintained a formal or informal relationship or point of contact with Stuart Rhodes, whether directly or indirectly, including through intermediaries? Do any other federal counterintelligence equities, whether in military intelligence or law enforcement, including but not limited to army counterintelligence, the Department of Homeland Security, the Joint Terrorism Task Force or otherwise maintain or have they ever maintained a formal or informal relationship? With Rhodes, whether directly or indirectly, including through intermediaries. If such a confidential relationship did exist between Stuart Rhodes and one or more US counterintelligence equities, how do the FBI how do the FBI and other responsible agencies reconcile the enormous gravity of the submission from their previous deflections, non-answers, and boilerplate that they had no actionable intelligence before one six? Uh, the questions keep going. And yeah, I mean, you can all figure them out based on what we've read so far. Before we turn to Seward Road's statements and behavior leading up to and during 1-6, it is important to keep in mind the so-called shock and awe standard of prosecution applied to those actually indicted for 1-6 related crimes. Lead 1-6 prosecutor Michael Sherwin explains this shock and awe standard in two words. Sherwin, I wanted to ensure in all, our office wanted to ensure that there was shock and awe that we could charge as many people as possible for January 20. And it worked because we saw through media posts and that people were afraid to come back to D.C. because they were like, if we go there, we're going to get charged. We wanted to take out those individuals who were thumbing their noses at the public for what they did. Sherwin also told uh, the, from the narrator in that piece, Ah, uh, Sherwin told us that the most serious cases so far focused on about two dozen members of far-right militias. And you guy weighing in for five dollars with a super chat on YouTube. did you know when you turn forty-seven, you will be AK forty-seven. So, so what am my AK
1: thirty-nine. Did you know
0: that? Have you thought about this before? Oh, too much. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not into uh, gun fetishism. In this article, we focus our scrutiny and our suspicion on one individual, person one, otherwise known as Stuart Root, Stuart Rhodes leader of the paramilitary Oath Keepers Group. In keeping with the structure of our previous report, we'll examine the as of yet unindicted, Mr. Rhodes' actions and statements in light of the shock and awe standard of prosecution described above. But we emphasize a caveat from our previous report. It is essential here to make an important note of clarification. The purpose of this analysis here is not to aid in the prosecution of any of these unindicted co-conspirators. Rather, our aim is to point out that given the standards of indictment applied to those actually indicted, it is very strange and indeed suspicious, that certain unindicted co-conspirators have managed to avoid indictment. This does not necessarily mean that we approve of the standard of indictment itself, quite to the contrary. The aggressive standard of indictment and prosecution, through through an unimaginably broad application of conspiracy charges, is immoral, unjust, and absurd. The same applies to this piece, and Mr. Rhodes himself, or Revolver, harbors no ill will to war Mr. Rhodes. Well, you should. <laughs> Uh, and we are not interested in calling for his indictment. Now that's, the bit, but like me, I share your sentiment. I, I would not call for the justice through government for Mr. Rhodes, no. Our interest in Mr. Rhodes is limited solely to our interest in the question of federal foreknowledge of and possible involvement in the events of 1-6. Well, I appreciate that that is the uh, intent with this article and it is long and thoroughly researched. And I, And I do want to point out, Uh, one other really important element here before we get to our guest, um, the security guards, uh, for, for a lot of events, uh, security details, um, let's see, I want to find the, the actual part of this, excuse me, Alex, for keeping you waiting here, um, What is especially interesting to note, however, is the frequency with which Stuart Rhodes justifies his involvement in events with the pretext of providing bodyguard services or personal security services. This was the same justification he gave to Sheriff Arpaio, who would later be probed by the FBI and indicted. And the same excuse Rhodes would later give to get close to Roger Stone, who the FBI has been eagerly pursuing for another round of indictments, as well as Alex Jones, Michael Flynn and other VIPs of the November-December 2020 Stop the Seal events. For what it's worth, providing security support free of charge to leaders of extremist groups is by far, the, by far the most popular cover story used by undercover FBI and Army counterintelligence operatives to gain personal access to VIP leaders of a network being spied on for government agencies. And this makes me think of all the events that I went to as a speaker that Stuart Rhodes and other Oath Keepers were providing security for. And I know that, or at least I would guess, I would hope the majority of the base of Oath Keepers is well-intentioned dudes who just don't know better. And they were there to provide security. But, as the story says, there is a certain intel you can only get by being up close all day. For example, Tupac Shakur's personal bodyguard was an FBI informant. Fred Hampton's personal bodyguard. Was an F- And just pointing this out, remember from the Fred Hampton story? What? Oh, yeah. It was his bodyguard, the FBI Did
1: said.
0: Yeah. I didn't know about that. Yeah. Malcolm X's personal bodyguard. Was an F- these are all, by the way, you go to the revolver.news store, these are all linked, cited. Malcolm X's personal bodyguard was an FBI. What ah, the fuck? The personal bodyguard of the Aryan Nations key leader, Richard Butler, was an FBI informant. Even the chief of security for JFK investigator, Jim Garrison, was an FBI informant. But simply, dissident organizations can expect a lot of free offers for volunteer bodyguard services right before something very bad happens. <laughs> uh, hey, Biden, would you like me to volunteer for your security detail? Uh, and volunteering bodyguard services is precisely what Stuart Rhodes claimed he was doing to explain his presence around DC during the November December stop. This deal. Huh. Hmm.
1: Hmm.
0: Some fuckery. So while while this article is is very very well targeted, thank you to Revolver for their true journalism here. The bigger story, like you said, it's not you're focusing on sure roads in order to determine whether the federal government actually had foreknowledge and January sixth was a staged false flag attack. And it's kind of just like 9-11. You have to look at it and go, either they let it happen on purpose or they made it happen on purpose. And either way, fuck them. It doesn't matter because they're fucking criminals. And the one sixth thing, let it happen on purpose. No fucking way someone didn't let it happen on purpose. This is the United States federal fucking government. And you couldn't prevent a protest from getting into the Capitol building? Give me a break. Bullshit. No fucking way. No matter if you made it happen on purpose or let it happen on purpose. So I want to zoom out for just a second to wrap up this segment. It's not, did the federal government have this knowledge? It's what is their goal? What are they doing? What dissent are they squashing? What is the effect on the Libertarian Party? How much manipulation has there been behind the scenes? What are we being robbed of? What is the potential now for an FBI whistleblower? to become a revolutionary. And with that, we go to our guests now. Keep the comments coming. Ant and Joey are on the comments doing a great job. I've seen, did I miss any good jokes? Did I miss any? It's so, remember our comment contest for the day is, it's so hot that blank, fill in the blank, wrong answers only. It's so hot that Adam Kokesh is considering getting a COVID vaccine. Ah! <laughs> yeah, right. Um, it's because I'm losing my mind. A little, little you know, heat stroke. Yeah, little, I just it's getting light, getting lightheaded, not thinking straight because really? the heat. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, any other? No, I didn't miss any any good jokes. All right. No. no. All right. Well, then, with that, ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is Alex Coffin. Alex <laughs> grew up in Redmond, Washington. Currently lives with his family in uh, Sequim, Sequim, Sequim. Sequim. Squim, squim, Washington, yeah, S- spelled yeah. like sequin, like, but with an it, M. Pronounced yeah. swim, okay. Mm-hmm. It's a native name, right?
4: Uh, yeah. The, the, the it, Europeans there are, are squim. a lot up in Seattle, like Puelup. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah. I love, yeah, bear, I love, right. I love hearing people mispronounce mm-hmm. Puelup, yeah, Puelup, pile up, Mike. Puyallup, a lot yeah a lot yeah of okay anyway like anyway so um <laughs> on the beautiful olympic peninsula as his bio says and it is it is beautiful um by the way so you you're experiencing pretty major heat wave right now there's like really uncharacteristic the heat wave heat broke wave for us
4: otherwise i would be doing this from up near a mountain stream somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um uh, yeah it dropped by 20 degrees all at once uh yesterday's sunset um so <laughs> It was just a bunch of wind that came in off of uh, the ocean and it was like the fever broke.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Because in order to have a heat wave in Seattle, you also have to have no wind off the ocean. And that's the sort of freak coincidence of this. And uh, on the
4: sound and we're on the ocean. And so the Olympic Peninsula is kind of its own thing. Right. As we're. Two peninsulas over, and uh, okay, better. yeah, it's cooler. I here, should know so. better because
0: anyway, I know you're you good, good. I have no, I have family in uh, in in the Seattle area and Friday Harbor in Puja up, up north in Puget mm-hmm. Sound. So I should I should know the geography the a little bit better. Yeah. yeah, but it is yeah, it is it is a an interesting freak occurrence there where you are. You only have forty four percent of homes, and is it in Seattle have air conditioning.
4: (laughs) Yeah. And this one doesn't either. Yeah. We, we went up to um, Crescent Lake, which is just uh, it's near Port Angeles. It's just a beautiful mountain lake. So it's a lot of snow melt, very cold. It was pretty, uh, pretty busy up there. (laughs) People try to cool off. So
0: yeah, I believe it. it, Right place to to go. And I understand there, there are, uh, at least dozens if not hundreds of people who have died already in the, in the Northwest area just in general uh, from the heat in the last uh, <clears throat> few days. And uh, uh, they, these are generally very old and frail people from my knowledge of such events. And I would just take this opportunity to, to remind you, of course, you don't need to be told this, but anybody who's watching in that area or anybody who has family in that area who might be in a logistically fragile situation delicate situation without air conditioning or anything like that you know check in on people um yeah, it's great here sure. it broke but there's still going to be people uh struggling with it well so, i think uh, it moved
4: too right spokane had a, a all-time high yesterday even though we had uh cooled
0: off a little bit yeah. so yeah and we so. North. right now canada is is, is yeah canada it, too and, yeah absolutely so anyway, enough, enough about that. Uh, I want—I yeah. mean, I want you guys to get to know Alex at least a little bit uh, before we get to the core of this, because uh, I've been trying to find someone who would try to convince me to get a vaccine on the show or to debate this for. Uh, I fell for about your a, tweet <laughs> a month now on Twitter, and I'm not like you know, and and you know, if we had. Uh, an active guest booker right now. You know, maybe we'd be sending out emails to every state health agency where they're advocating, but they wouldn't do this show anyway. You know, and, and it seems like none of, none of <laughs> I the- I wanted
4: to tee up some libertarian credit. <laughs> yeah, right,
0: yeah. We're going to get on. to someone we will get and that and your, and your <laughs> academic cre- credentials. But, um, yeah. So Alex, Alex is the closest we could get on this um, and, and as the <laughs> premise of incredible. this conversation. Yeah, we both <laughs> we both agree that government should not pay for anything in healthcare, let alone these vaccines, and that nothing should be mandated or forced in or out of your body. Right. So that's that's kind of like an ethical premise for this conversation. Um, yeah. Whereas most of the people we would be debating on on this who would be taking the the pro vaccine position don't give a fuck about those principles, do they? <laughs>
4: well, like- you know, I think it's important to kind of empathize with. Um, you know every every perspective, no matter how much you you disagree with it, and and sure. that's
0: you know, sure. I try well, to, and, and, do that and, too. And that's why, like you know, I want I want to make your position very empathetic as a fellow principled libertarian who has a different view on vaccines right now. But it, it, it's it's really worth noting that the people who are trying to force this on everybody else won't stand behind their advocacy. Like I've asked people in my family, even. Who, who are pro-vaccine, like, well, where did you hear this? Or why do you believe that this is a good idea? And they mm-hmm. won't stand behind it. So it makes sense that, like, the only person we get is a libertarian uh, to do this. So to, 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 to Alex's credentials, he's a remote sales guy, so obviously smart, motivated, capable, marketing social media uh, with his wife, Carolyn, experienced coder, iOS developer, and mom. Um, he said he went all in on voting for LP only candidates in 2016, uh, after a certain misguided nomination by the GOP. Yeah, and before that was a leaning libertarian leaning Republican. Excuse me, campaigning for Ron Paul uh, in 2008 while uh, on campus at Duke University. His degree from Duke is in economics with a minor in biology. So, like, actually, some relative couple of, I mean, I would think the degree in economics. I might know would a thing.
4: To, I
0: don't know. Would lead <laughs> to, to, to want to illuminate the economic criminality around the vaccines and all of that. But no, you do have, you know, a l- legitimate academic credentials here. Um, has done some independent study, lab work, and plant biology. In 2007, founded a startup called Self Reliant for tech consulting and uh, interspersed entrepreneurship with roles as a patent finder, social media strategist, IT sales manager, fintech software sales, stay-at-home dad, that's what I want to be when I grow up, uh, in Plano, <laughs> Texas, before moving back to his home state of Washington in 2018. So in 2020, while you were supporting uh, Jorgensen and <laughs> No, no, yeah, we know. Joey and I were making fun of your introduction really <laughs> yeah. long and how we're gonna have fun with it. Uh, uh, yeah. But no, it's a appropriate. Like I said, I want I want people to understand your perspective and who you are and where you're coming from. So uh, you said you say you turned your personal Twitter into a COVID science news aggregator, mostly retweeting various divergent views and debates by scientists retweet, and frontline. Retweets, yeah.
4: yeah, just a yeah, lot of yeah. retweets. that has been. Maybe a little bit too much, (laughs) but I was trying to learn in real time, you know, and form an opinion in real time. And I figured I'd just retweet whatever I I was skimming. It's just a lot of like, that might be a good headline, you know, med archive and it just all over the map. So no matter what the, uh, yeah. And so my thought about it having just, I don't know, just, um, gotten more serious about my libertarianism uh, was that, you know, freedom is what beats a pandemic. So I think hopefully we both agree that COVID's a problem, the pandemic's a problem, uh, or has been uh, a pretty big problem. And so insofar, and I come at libertarianism very much from the economic side, very much from uh, just supporting free markets and deregulation, and that's almost, Partly because of uh, you know exposure to complex systems uh, analysis from the the work my dad does, he's been in the business of doing quant market forecasting for decades, and um, you know my entire approach to my my econ study was uh, looking for the people that you know were in favor of what is the self organizing principle if you have a freedom sandbox and like you know what why does this work to, to give, you know, the economic agents um, maximal freedom and it, it works really well. You know, there's some people that even track it, for example, is how well it works from country to country to, uh, to make sure that you have free markets. So the way that I, and I was telling my wife yesterday before coming on um, that maybe the way I would approach this with you is just to, to ask the kind of open question of like, well, what if government for decades had not intervened in the vaccine marketplace because this is a product it is an innovation and i think back to the origin of vaccines in general uh when i'm thinking about it from a bio perspective and the fact that some guy had to convince during smallpox or whatever you know i don't know if you know that origin story where he was like oh you know i think maybe cowpox is similar why don't, right, don't we hold on.
0: Before, some people we with get this, Hold on, hold on <laughs> okay. Alex. Hold on. Okay. i to give you a okay. chance to ask me questions. But sure, if, if, if I may respond with a bigger caveat for myself on this, yeah. I really fucking hate being called an anti-vaxxer because I'm against this vaccine right now. Sure. And I'm against certain criminal elements that I sh- I'm sure you would agree with there are around this and the manipulation and the government funding and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but no, I, I know the you know the smallpox vaccine story. I am hugely pro-vaccine when it comes to like human history and science and progress. Yeah. Like, yes, <laughs> you don't have to convince me that that vaccines are good. But I, before we get into you, I feel like there course. are some
4: people that would need convincing.
0: <laughs> um, uh, Brian Franks uh, yeah. used you have way more viewers. Adam, what's up? Well, this is what you get for questioning COVID <laughs> policy. Shadow band. Um, but yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Share. Yeah, so share. share. Yeah, we depend on 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 people tuning in and, and not being blocked. But uh, on Facebook. A, yeah. we're
1: multi-streaming. We're yeah. trying to oh, stand out.
0: Yeah, we try to get people off Facebook. If you're what, that's why you were watching on Facebook. We have off off Facebook to yeah, YouTube for our, our main live stream. But anyway, so Alex, I I really mm-hmm. appreciate what you were doing and saying. Okay, this is the whether it's a scam or real or imagined or partially overblown or whatever. This is a major focus for society right now. This is worth focusing on studying, understanding, et cetera, et cetera. And the way you describe what you did with your newsfeed and turning it into just a casual aggregator as a kind of journalism to make sure that you had an informed opinion. I have an immense respect for that, but I wanna ask before it's just, hey, I, I surveyed the news, did you what what did you find for manipulation of the narrative and 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 where did you go to find uh the truth when you knew that government and the mainstream media was lying
4: yeah no absolutely i i uh i was pretty intentional about um actually blocking a lot of accounts because i hadn't used twitter in a while and so i kind of revived my old personal twitter account um you know i'd had some plans pre-pandemic to, um, you know, do a certain amount of travel. Um, so I was not going to be traveling. <laughs> and so um, I, I figured I would sort of project out using social media and come up with a strategy that made sense for the, the crisis and the times that we were in, but also that was still true to kind of my perspective on it in terms of the, the politics of it. Um, you can use Twitter to avoid a lot of this rhetoric and kind of um, just, you know, you can block all the politicians on the left and right on Twitter. <laughs> I just followed scientists that I felt were just randomly selected for the most part. I followed a fixed number of accounts and then just started hold, hold, rotating.
0: i you say, say scientists randomly selected? Well, define, I mean, the algorithm suggests Okay you know, sure. if, um, if scientist is government approved academic that's not a random selection of scientists you know well, and even, I, even if you look of everybody in the yeah. world who identifies as a scientist that's not an honest, random selection of, of well-intentioned people. That is, you, I think you would agree heavily. It's still
4: Twitter. So it's still going to be an algo that's biased and it's going to be pushing recommendations to me that uh, I might think it looks random. I might think it's good. I hear you. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, absolutely. In terms of anyone who's trying to get any sense of truth. I mean, it's like a war in the sense that you hear about fog of war, right? Is that if you're in a pandemic, the enemy is the novel pathogen that's emerged that is, you know, hurting people. And so, understanding and we've had this happen, you know, with other novel pathogens. Like you know, if you go back through all the history of humanity, uh, as these things emerge, there is just a lack of clarity on, you know, what's going on. You know, and so my whole attitude was, okay, well, you can use Twitter during a crisis to understand in other social media too, but you can use, you know, social media to find citizen journalism that, or just people that are on the ground that are like, Hey, this is happening right here, right now. So if like a tsunami is hitting in a particular Island somewhere, you can go and try to find a guy tweeting from that Island who might post a video, right. that's, what's actually happening. Mm -hmm. So in this case, the, goal would be to use social media to try to find the frontline healthcare care workers, um, the uh, people that are, you know, somehow either directly reporting on uh, therapeutic development, innovation around how do we combat this. Um, and then it always felt like there was this layer of people on, on Twitter or government or whatever, that was sort of like summing up what they were hearing from, you know, industry or biotech or whatever. And it's like, they they wanted to kind of, I don't know, simplify it, oversimplify it, and then push an agenda on top of it. And so I that's why I was blocking politicians and not retweeting a lot of politicians on both sides, because, um, because it was just sort of recycled information. And uh, in terms of the raw numbers, and we'll get into that in a second, um, in broad strokes, not specifics, because you'll probably have all sorts of numbers to throw at me for for your perspective. But um, in terms of the the numbers uh, from country to country, um, I remember early on when I did this, I, I made the point to someone kind of tongue in cheek. It's like, well, there are countries that have zero cases. It's like Vatican City or Monaco or something like that or Fiji, and it's like the the comparison from country to country on, for example, the Johns Hopkins tracker um, made a lot of sense epidemiologically as, as you looked at the data as it was coming out, you know, you could say, okay, well, this is a very, or New Zealand was a great example, because right. they That's were an island, right? Yeah. Because they were mm-hmm. an island, they took advantage of being an island. And I feel like Australians probably had a similar perspective It's like because they're a big island and it's very hard to, you know, keep, everybody out and keep everybody in with Australia. but um, you know that's that's really interesting how geography has played into this um, entire entire spread and entire everything and then yeah. and then on the flip side, once there were really viable, you know uh, va- vaccines or therapeutics or just all the debate around all these different mitigating approaches that were coming out, Uh, better testing and everything um it was interesting to see how there's now this sort of vaccine nationalism debate and you know i would really like you to send some over this way and then um you've probably heard of vaccine tourism where they're coming down from canada to the u.s and like getting in line behind us because we're handing them out for free to um for for the ones that are considered to be more efficacious. The
0: the, the Mm -hmm. reason you're here was because you came to a specific different decision than I did after having looked at everything. Mm -hmm. And I want to give you the opportunity to convince me of two separate things, right? Because I'm I'm pretty convinced that even according to the whole mainstream narrative about the vaccine, because I have severe allergies and I've had a history of allergic reactions to medication, I shouldn't take this vaccine at least for a while. At least, like, I, I I, have a specific risk with this vaccine in general, but I would not take this anyway. I would not mm-hmm. take any of the COVID vaccines right now, even if it wasn't for that, because the risks of the vaccines are unknown. The the effectiveness is questionable. The risk-reward analysis, I mean, I, I've said, like, my, my criteria for, like, you, I, tell, I tell my audience even, you should take the vaccine if you have a compelling personal professional reason, you don't ever plan on having kids again, you've done the research on a specific vaccine and you know that it's safe for you and you've consulted with, with any relevant health professionals over any potential you know complicating conditions you might have. Um, so you, you were convinced to take the Moderna MRNA mm-hmm. vaccine based on a personal cost benefit analysis, uh, what was that for you? Sure. Uh, so
4: I'm 36. I had neighbors out here in Squim that are older that gave me a, you know, and, and also, you know, of, of similar politics, actually, just coincidentally, um, that, uh, that gave me a hard time for, they're like, hey, you're young, you know, I don't even want to take it why are you taking it, you know, and we have the same sort of political views or whatever, and, and, you know, they'd send me stuff, like, you know, stuff that, I don't know, just in terms of, in terms of the, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt about long-term effects of any given vaccine or therapy, I mean, I think that you know, one of the really kind of disappointing things is just that um, it's just that uh, it, it it's it's still a little bit like picking winners, even though you've got multiple companies that did it. I mean, it was obviously a big government push to um, get a few chosen manufacturers to ramp up. And so you do get some centralization effects and, uh, but I would say if there's any, any one, you know, difference with other countries, it's been that we managed to have brand names attached. And it was kind of actually funny to watch different people, including my parents sort of uh, say, well, I, I don't know if I trust Johnson and Johnson, it was really more about the brand or something. I don't want to do theirs. And,
0: you know,
4: well, so one, a, one right of the most or convincing something.
0: things was oh, yeah. well, speaking to that though. This is one of the most convincing things against the vaccines. Okay. Is, I mean, you look at Johnson and Johnson's history. You look at like all of these major biotech, big pharma, mm-hmm. and it's like, hey, you've been, you've killed a lot of fucking people, and you've you've done a lot of financially criminal shit, and you've used government to protect. Why would it? Why do I suddenly trust you now? And especially now when they have gotten government to say. <clears throat> You don't have any liability for these vaccines. Anybody who dies or has side effects from these vaccines, whatever, they can't sue you because it's an emergency use authorization or whatever legal excuse they came up with for saying you don't mm-hmm. have liability for making a COVID vaccine. Mm-hmm. That doesn't bother you?
4: I, I think all of those arguments bother me. Absolutely. No, so, and I okay, think we so, so probably agree personal, on a lot of different fronts. So but why I, not
0: wait then? So why not wait on that point?
4: Well, okay, so on the on the one thing, you're still waiting. I felt like uh the amount that I'd read about the virus, long COVID, all of that I'm, wait- I'm waiting to- for
0: a vaccine yeah. from a company that is willing to take responsibility and liability okay. for it and know that if they put something in me that, that might me up, yeah. I can sue them. Because if right. you can't do that, then they're gonna put unsafe shit in people like they have consistently historically.
4: Yeah. That, that very well might happen at some point. And so that's when I say cost benefit analysis, right? Is that, uh, you know, I think you made a statement in a previous episode that you think the uh, vaccine is perhaps more dangerous than the virus. And I just very strongly disagree based on everything that I've read, you know, international news all over the place. What's that? We'll get to that. You'll get to that. Okay. Um, (laughs) Okay. But uh, you know, uh, could I be wrong? For myself personally, yeah, absolutely. And I think I used, I fell for your word "convince." I repeated it in the tweet, and I, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll come on it to convince." And I immediately regretted <laughs> it because I was like, "You know, this is not the libertarian way. I don't want to convince you. I want you to, you know." Let's as I actually met a really cool guy, Anthony Welty, you know, and he's, and he's. You know, I agree with him on the entire vaccine thing, even though I chose to go for it, and he chose not for him and his family, or at least, or not yet, or whatever. And um, you know, I I just think that in terms of the um, the trajectory of the of the virus and the damage that it's done.
0: Okay, but uh, so here's the, here's the thing. Oh, okay, so I mean. I mean You've already had kids. You're not planning on having more. I take it at this point. No, so I might have that's, more. Did, yeah, all right. Well, uh, you know, you say like, well, maybe the the virus is more deadly than the vaccine. Sure, but why not avoid both of them? Then you know, you can well, avoid the Well, you're probably doing virus. a good job of
4: that down in Cardinia. Yeah, right? yeah.
0: You, yeah, you can. I mean, well, just no. good hygiene practices. Rural, you in rural, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like it's being healthy. Like Well, we know it, that- is,
4: it is fully aerosolized. I mean, in terms of the method of spread, okay. um, in terms of it, you know, it's kind of interesting to look at uh, the contact tracing tweets from the Australian different authorities in, the, in Hong Kong now is getting, you know, because of China and everything. Uh, those Some of those tweets are, are kind of wild because they'll lock down an entire city block in Hong Kong now because there's one case in one Office building or whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, just the fact that gets in your lungs, you can be asymptomatic. No, I know. I know.
0: No, <laughs> I know. no, no. I'm reading this it's comment. It, oh, it's, okay. We're having a comment contest going while this oh, is yeah. happening. Oh, it's okay. so hot that blank fill in the blank. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, I was going to say only. something really
4: quick on that. And, and that is that, and maybe that I'm going to nerd out on what <laughs> physics because, um, I realized that we have well water here in Squim and and so it runs really cold. So for anyone who's still dealing with a lot of heat, if you're on well water, you know, it should run really cold out of the tap and you could like fill up your sink, fill up your bathtub. It acts as a heat sink. So I'm just going to throw that out there. It would yeah, act I mean, as a heat sink for cool the effect. heat in your house. So. Yeah, absolutely. Or you could just get in it and cool off. Like,
0: you know? Right. So, so, but, but uh, you know, when you say like, it, it, you're trying to compare the vaccine to the virus, um, With but the not, vaccine, yeah. I mean, we, we, it's it sort of, w- why not avoid both? And you say it's aerosolized. I, I, I don't dispute that fact. Mm-hmm. Um, to what extent? I, do, I don't really care. You know, we can argue, I, I'm not, I don't think it's relevant to this conversation to sort of argue transmit, transmit uh, as opposed to mm-hmm. the or transmissibility, whatever the, whatever the right word is. Um, yeah. But uh, the, the general threat here, you know, what, what is the benefit to you of having gotten the vaccine?
4: To me personally, the benefit of having gotten it, I would say it's pure math in my head. It's like same reason that even though I'm libertarian, I wore a mask and did all the th- all sorts of things that other people are like, that's, that's stupid. And, that, you know, and I'm like, well, it's probabilistic, right? It's that in some well, hold
0: on, sense. On. Let me, let me, can, can I interrupt to go back to that, to the issue of masks? It's a total sidebar, but parallel. Okay. Do you believe that masks have any beneficial effect in reducing the transmission? See, this is, this
4: is great because it depends on the mask. And you know that because if you had a full on biohazard mask on, then the answer would be absolutely yes. Right.
0: So you're, but your answer is as we, at least as we do it in the United States, no. Again, probabilistic measures,
4: right. Is that even if you just shaving off it, you know, a little bit of the probability of spread. So I've seen the videos where they're like, well, the aerosols go out anyway of your mask. And I'm like, yeah, that's
0: that's not see this is th- then you're looking at the so this is where it doesn't matter how good your math is if you're looking at the wrong numbers to begin with. And mm. a lot of the studies about masks were like, well, transmission when people are standing face to face and what matters really is uh, the st- study that Ben Swan showed uh, studies that he shared where they actually looked at transmission rates in controlled populations with or without masks, and the overall effect was that masks increased transmission. So it was actually a counter-scientific effect because you looked at the wrong science. You used science to ask the wrong question. You use science to say, if we're standing face-to-face, mm-hmm. if we both have masks on, does this lessen the risk of one person transmitting COVID to another person. And what you should have asked is, does having an entire population reduce the transmission of COVID? And if you had asked that right question, you would have found no. It actually right. increases transmission of COVID. and there are a couple theories as to the mechanism, but touching of the face, extra contact transmission, et cetera, et cetera. And so well, you, one you didn't one- mention,
4: which I think is the most important one, which is psychological, and that is the false sense of security.
0: So you, but you went along with it. You went, and and, and I want to say shame on you as a libertarian for going along with something that you knew was dangerous and counterproductive. No, I don't think it's dangerous. I think that, that
4: your behavior changes when you're wearing the mask in a way that you would increase your risk because you think it's more effective than it is. And what I'm saying is that it's got some level of probability lessening effect, right? And the probabilities add up. So let's say you just are in a financial position um, to work remote from home to stay home. It is A lot of people who were in that position stayed home as long as they could or they started homeschooling like we did. Um, and so, you know, that in the total sum total of potential people that you could come into contact with, you know, living out in a rural area is going to, you know, probabilistically <laughs> decrease your chance just by because one case getting out to your county in a rural area might bounce around a few contacts, you know, or, or spread, uh, at a grocery store or something to uh, a bunch and you get a cluster. Um, but anyway, you know, all of these parts would add up over time. And, um, and so it's really just about figuring out, you know, what's the level of risk that you're personally going to take. And so,
0: Okay, Deep so, breath, bark, now, so, so
4: now,
3: <laughs> I,
0: I want to ask a couple foundational questions and then go okay. to the, the sort of risk reward final analysis here and your, your views mm-hmm. on personal health. But I, I want to ask uh, how much do you think, and I'm going to explain my position on these, you know, how much do you think COVID deaths are exaggerated and how much do you think that uh, vaccine deaths are undercounted? And that, that's getting to the you know, very, 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 I mean, we're doing this. Trying to cover so much in a very complex topic over a short period of time here, so there's no mm-hmm. way we're going to because this this discounts. And I've already so given up trying other, to
4: convince you, so.
0: <laughs> right? Well, yeah, right. This, but this discounts so many other elements uh, of this. But my understanding is that the the deaths from COVID are exaggerated somewhere between, or the the actual deaths from COVID in, c- compared to the government numbers in the United States, the actual deaths are somewhere between twenty and fifty percent of that where they have counted a lot of uh, deaths with COVID as from COVID, and you have to reduce their their death count by that. And also, the uh, I interviewed Dr. Mary Rewart a couple of weeks ago when the death count for the vaccines, according to VARES was 4,200. And she points out traditionally vaccine deaths are undercounted by 10 to 100-fold. And I don't think it's a hundredfold. If 420,000 people died from the vaccine, like we would know, it would be very clear, um, unless it was in some weird longer-term negative effect of, of blood clots or whatever. Um, but it, it, it's it's definitely a lot more than whatever they're saying it is. So to what scale? I don't know, where do you, and then I bring it back to the vaccine and, and would say, well, if there's a chance you can die from, the, from, from COVID, If you're overweight, or old, or both, or Mm -hmm. immunocompromised, but if you're not any of those things, the odds of dying from COVID are insignificant, but the odds of dying from the vaccine are at least significant, it seems like a very simple like, hey, I want to live cost-benefit analysis ratio, I'll face COVID, not the vaccine.
4: Okay. I hear you. And I think the point's been made many times by vaccine advocates that, you know, at least insofar as they're being honest, I've heard, heard it said a few times, is that, uh, is that, uh, you know, vaccines are things we put in healthy people. And so because of that, you know, you're not trying to cure a disease. You, you, because of that, because you're firing up priming an immune response in, in otherwise healthy people, you have to have a pretty darn good reason, right? You go and get the tetanus right. shot because you just, you know, you haven't had a booster in a while and you've got a rusty nail going. Um, or you, uh, I had a buddy who pet a cat, right. And, and that, that actually had been bit by a bat with rabies. Uh, and, uh, and so he ended up having to get the kind of, uh, emergency rabies shot just out of an abundance of caution. Um, And that that is a vaccine, but it's a vaccine that if you get it in within however many, you know, rapid right after you've been potentially exposed, you know, then you uh, will have the protection. So there are all sorts of different vaccines out there. In this case, there was, you know, I think um, a set of epidemiological parameters that made covid go global. And those are that that number of asymptomatics and that incubation period. And so, you know, fully asymptomatic versus pre-symptomatic, you know, was sort of also debated, but the uh, the degree to which somebody that didn't feel anything could potentially um, expose a lot of people and be a super spreader. And super spreading has always been the way that uh, that, you know, significant epidemics and pandemics get get going is that sort right. of well, a yeah, quick, network quick effect? question
0: on yeah quick question on that my understanding is that if you're okay. asymptomatic like like children who get this and this is why they said that schools were not vectors for transmission is that you, mm-hmm. even if you get it if you don't have symptoms you're much 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 less likely to transmit it because symptoms by definition are physical manifestations of the virus that generally include some kind of shedding of the virus or transmission of it. Like if you're coughing, it's be- that's a symptom. If you don't have a cough, you're not <clears throat> projecting viral particles. So that if you're asymptomatic, like the, the odds of you spreading it to someone else even are extremely low. And this seems like a case where, hey, Let's get rapid tests out. Let's not inject yeah. an experimental vaccine into people. In fact, the Libertarian well, right.
4: Party did a good job early on. And I forget if this was Jorgensen or who who did it, but there was this broadcast like a Facebook Live way early on in the pandemic uh, where they basically like got
0: one little did prop blood for prick you. Test? But
4: have you guys seen this?
0: Yeah, I know. That was me. I did the blood prick test on Facebook oh, Live. that was you. Okay, cool. In, in, well, I think was... March. Yeah.
4: Yeah, so... Wow. So the thing about, you know, rapid testing, uh, I, I mean, th- this even says on the box, oh, we only got to make this even now, Abbott Labs, you know, under under emergency use authorization, which is just evidence that we've got too much FDA in the way of what yeah, the, the should test be that I got, total common the, sense, you know.
0: The, the test that I got was a very easy, effective blood prick test strip. Uh, yeah, this doing yourself your nostril yeah that's even easier like even easier and and the fact that they didn't have those out means that they were they were they were preventing the use of a safe method for controlling this pandemic which would have been testing and contact tracing right which would have been which is non-invasive in the sense that compared like i mean a blood prick test is i don't think that's considered invasive nasal swab absolutely not but a vaccine being injected into you that's really invasive right? Something that's going to cause an immune response. So like, why would you do that and support that as an option when there's so many safer alternatives, like even good hygiene for controlling this pandemic?
4: Well, because there there are only so many things you can do, and I don't think it's the end all and be all either, but there are only so many things that you can do uh, aside from straight up, just not interacting with people that that could be carriers. Right. And so uh, when you look at some of the other countries that had pretty good numbers and how they achieved pretty good numbers, uh, I mean, that gold standard of number of days of quarantine and quarantine is not some new thing that a bunch of, you know, draconian government types <laughs> came up with. I mean, it's, you know, based on the epidemiology of that novel pathogen, you know, you know what the incubation period is on average. So yeah, you, you try to limit Uh, the spread that way. And so in, in terms of, in terms of the, uh, you know, all the, the mitigating measures you could, you could potentially take to get to zero COVID, they wouldn't have been palatable to Americans. Like, you know. uh,
0: Well, zero COVID is not a realistic or reasonable goal. I mean that's like well, saying but for our- some countries
4: that it's was like- the agenda and that was very much what they were trying to do. And you know, if you look at, at countries that have very low numbers, the, they locked down Melbourne for like one case, right? And so the lock I mean, we're you know yeah, it like- opened the Canadian border because I think so one of the cost crazy, benefit right?
0: analysis, it it, it 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 still doesn't justify the policy, you know, and and, and, and I think by getting the vaccine it's not just that you're doing something that's bad for yourself for your own health it's an unworthwhile risk but that you're also feeding into this racket of of bad responses and overreactions that empower government and you can I, i would hope as a libertarian you can see the parallels with other issues where government says our goal is uh, to eradicate poverty or hunger And just, you know, like, that's the excuse For more power, more control And, oh, surprise, surprise The rich get richer and the poor get poorer um, Neil Rademacher uh, It is so hot that G.I. Mary Jane's pictures are cold And that is fucking impossible, <laughs> is that kind of the wrong answer? Yeah, okay So, so Let's Alex, you know, we don't have much time I want to give yeah. you a few more minutes here, though and Any okay. Any questions you want to put me on the spot for Or sure you know your your final points to convince someone in my in my situation uh
4: so my question to you adam is is that if we had a completely free market and again this is how i approach libertarianism and ron paul and all of that is that i'd much rather talk about the economic stuff that we have in common probably around you know sound money and all that stuff but um you know, when it comes to a real virus that is really killing people and is a real problem, I mean, my solution is like, you know, biotech innovation and deregulating that and making sure that that people are free to come up with all sorts of things, including basically whatever they want to try, you know, if if they think that a particular therapeutic might work. But so my question to you is that if we really had a a true free market and price discovery in the product of vaccines, you even Mm -hmm. said that you're pro-vax in some, in plenty of across human history or across the invention of vaccines. So if we truly had a free market and, you know, maybe they weren't giving the, the Moderna shot out for free it's sort of like a Chinese finger trap. You know, it's a little bit of that reverse psychology. It's like, well, if they're going to hand it out for free, I'm not really going to trust it. But if it was a true free market in with with a price with all of this COVID going around, I mean, there would be people who would pay money to get the shot. Is that fair to say? Right. So um, you would probably pay $0 (laughs) until you, uh, until it was better, but, as like, what numbers would you need to see for you to pay money for the shot? Because based on everything I had read and my understanding of the risk, I even said to myself, like, you know, I probably would have paid money for this shot, you know, not necessarily a lot, but.
0: (laughs) Okay. You know, I I understand if you want it, the cost is not that relevant, but I I mean, I I mm -hmm. really want to go back to, to some of the other points there that, I mean, because I am all about, the analysis of government through the market approximation Mm -hmm. concept. And I use this to describe the setbacks and easements here in Juniperwood Ranch, where a 40-acre parcel, you have to be set back 30 feet from the edge of your actual property to build in a way that would impede someone using that as an easement, as a right-of-way to access their property. It's unfortunate that it's government policy that makes it rigid like this, but it's approximately what the market would provide. So it's a good system, right? And it serves Mm -hmm. people's needs. Here's the thing. You But know, like in a market, what would I pay for a vaccine? Like what would people like and you say that in a market, uh people would, would demand this vaccine? Uh no, I call bullshit because if there was a market, we would have an appropriate way of looking at risks, concerns based on how they cost human I totally value. Agree. Right. Absolutely. So we would look at we would look at COVID and say, Okay, what's an appropriate response? Good hygiene, protect vulnerable people. Okay, cool. Because it well, is that's not your opinion. No, 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 no. This is my market analysis. Hold on. This is my market analysis. Because in a market, people would be you're you're suggesting a market where people can actually prioritize values based on what's essential to quality of life. You know, it would be like it wouldn't be I wouldn't pay for a vaccine. I I would pay for a gym membership. That's what I do now, because that's a more effective way of dealing with COVID, and most people would would see that. If we had a free market, insurance companies wouldn't be pushing the vaccine and pushing big pharmaceuticals, Insurance companies would be giving you discounts for being fit and healthy and being in that category of people for whom the the, the, the virus itself is of zero threat. And again, if you look at the, the comorbidities among the death toll for people. But that, with COVID, that's also not true. Who, and I'm sorry
4: to interrupt, but that, that's not true. It, it, people what, have absolutely toll? died all the way up and down, down to children. But in terms yeah, of right. and, 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 but, yeah,
0: you look you at that. Well. But OK, compared to heart disease, compared mm-hmm. to cancer, compared to high, high, blood high, high blood pressure, compared to all of these things that Americans already die of. It is mm-hmm. fucking obscene. It is a market misappropriation of resources to pay attention to COVID as we have when people are dying from all of these other easily preventable causes. So if I was in, if there was a market and the market valued human life properly, and I was an insurance company, I would not be asking my customers to get an experimental vaccine that has those effects uh, the, and that potential in the face of this virus. I would be asking them to be healthy, to take care of themselves. And that is a far greater preventative of any of these things. So the vaccine is kind of like, uh, well, I'm going to take this pharmaceutical shortcut to something that I know there's a better organic answer for that's healthier.
4: All right. Can I just say one last thing? It's sort of like a, a microcosm thought it's probably not going to convince you of anything. And that is just that when you're dealing with the question of personal choice in the medical sphere, and I think that that's paramount, you have to have freedom of choice when it comes to, I mean, the crazy Absolutely. guy running the Philippines just said, mm-hmm. Hey, if you don't take the vaccine, we're putting you in jail or whatever people yeah. leaping. Light. Like there are some really horrible authoritarian things going on all over the world, but in terms of pure personal choice, uh, taking the choice to not get COVID because there are unknown unknowns about long COVID, about the other effects about who you might spread it to um, you know, that's, that's you do you, you doing you and me doing me right and I yeah totally respect no that yeah no, you know? and and so anything that you do as a preventive in in a micro you know sphere right so if I'm no, I'm gonna go out and maybe you know have a few beers or something and then maybe have a hangover then maybe I'd take something that was some vitamins, uh, they, they sell these little packets. They're so like, hey, take these vitamins and then you won't have as much of a hangover. It's like a preventive or you drink it with, you know, it's like B vitamins or something. And that's on a very micro low risk, low reward type of scale where it's a preventive that I'm buying and taking to limit a negative effect. And I'm doing that voluntarily. So if we had a pure f- free market in vaccines and we just thought about it as, okay, this is a preventive just like with anything you take a vaccine for like tetanus or something. It's like, Hey, yeah, if I, I don't want to get tetanus or I don't want to get this. So I'm going to go ahead and pay some money now to take something that I think is a preventive for that thing that could happen a mitigating factor. You know, we've got too much. Yeah. Delta. No. <laughs> we've got too much. Um, <laughs> You know other external voices and pressures it creates the opposite effect it creates that sort of reverse psychology where it's sort of like because you told me now i don't want to do it
0: you know right yeah so hey no i i'm grateful for the opportunity to for you to join us alex and that we agree on the principles of of voluntarism at at least clearly as relate to to this issue i think that's extremely important to keep in mind as, as a you know foundational premise uh, yeah, we're promoting you on Twitter. I hope we get some new hey, followers thanks. out of this, AK yeah, Polman. Cool. Um, anything else you want to promote today? You're certainly welcome to. But I, you know, just one last question here, and I, this might be kind of tough and personal. Um, but you know, I I look at a lot of the people trying to give out health advice, and um, you know, a lot of these these government officials are are clearly like visually unhealthy people, and you go you don't have much impulse control or you got something else going on or some misunderstanding. but like, you're not health. Why should I take health advice from you? So um, Alex, to what extent would you back up your decision to take the vaccine with your own uh, personal uh, health history? My personal health history. Um... Did you say you'd say you've made your, your, healthy and you fit and you've managed your health well your entire life, you've made good decisions and that people should follow your example and your judgment?
4: Uh, I, I'm not trying to be a health influencer, uh, if that's the question. I, I think that I'm reasonably healthy for a 36 year old. Um, I mean, I should probably exercise more, but uh, you know, I spent a lot of time in front of screens. And so, you know, probably don't do that. <laughs> get outside get you know is that that's one of the reasons i i wanted to move out to squim is it's a beautiful area (laughs) we like to get out in nature and uh you know take pictures of nature and breathe fresh air
0: alex i i hope you can join us here in gardenia someday and Oh, that and sounds see, fantastic. We've we've had we have no vaccination program in this country, and we've had zero cases. It's it's pretty it's incredible. Uh, Our own country, all right. We all we all we're uh, we're all, we're all see, very healthy, and that's and why Vatican
4: healthy. City had few cases. Too. <laughs> not <laughs> just not just any people. Like
0: <laughs> any, right. any last thoughts or any, anything you want to promote in closing, other than Twitter at AK Kaufman.
4: Appreciate that. Now that's that's it. Appreciate awesome. It, Thank man. you so much,
0: Alex. Thank you very much. All right. All right. Take <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. With that, we get to our final, I, you know, I don't know. Should we skip the last headlines? That was a lot of fun. I Did you guys value that as much as I did? I mean, really reaffirming to hear that opposition and be like, you know, fundamentally, I'm not convinced my position's not changed. I, I still wouldn't get the vaccine, even if I didn't have uh, my, my allergy concerns. Um, but yeah, we did skip our covid block today. So no, jo- really. Joey, we let just... me we didn't we didn't oh. do, 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 do. and now we're going to take... say I didn't start the show. Yeah, we're
1: going to need some with
0: leads. with a massive disclaimer today. Like everything we're talking about is pure parody because you can't debate anything government says, you know? Like and that's I mean, man, the censorship around this like, so I, I got to question Alex, like, are you, you know, what are your sources on this? Like, are you sufficiently questioning the mainstream narrative? Because as soon as the mainstream authorities say, this is the narrative and you are not allowed to question it. That's how you know it's bullshit. Because when the authorities say, hey, you should brush your teeth twice a day, they let you debate that. You know, When they say you should take your COVID vaccine, oh, well, you're not allowed to debate that. We got some good comments here. West Coast, Jerry, smoke weed every day. All right, yeah. All right. So we're going to smoke some, some COVID vitamins. I suppose I'm done giving out misleading medical advice. Uh, but we did have some quick headlines on COVID today. Reuters, heart inflammation after COVID-19 shots higher than expected. The study of U.S. military. Hmm more headlines like that more and more wall street journal delta variant spread outpaces australia's COVID 19 contact tracers you know what the narrative here is or the sub narrative is uh you need to give more money to the government the highly contagious coronavirus strain prompted authorities put sydney into a full lockdown for the first time in a year and finally in a COVID economics headline from bloomberg quint inflation eats at surging u.s pay with biden plans at stake and basically no matter how much more uh well americans are enjoying outsized pay boosts this year from desperate employers but the raises are failing to keep pace with surging prices for everyday goods U.S. wages likely posted a third strong monthly gain to fuel a 3.6% increase in June from a year earlier. According to Economist's forecast, said of the Labor Department's jobs report due Friday, companies including FedEx and Olive Garden owner Darden restaurants are raising wages to attract staff. But at the same time, prices for everything from milk to car rentals and gasoline are rising at a rapid clip, eating into those income gains the federal reserve's preferred consumer price gauge rose 3.9 percent in the 12 months through may the fastest since 2008 did you catch that inflation 3.9 wages 3.6 if you even believe these numbers wages are not keeping pace with inflation with that we got just a minute let's check in with ant co-host Ant, what was your favorite comment who is our contest winner today
3: Hey, what's going on? Yeah, we had a lot of comments come in today. It's actually surprising. Um, I wasn't able to get all of them up there. Um, really good stuff. I like the Mad Libs comment contests. Right, I, I do too. Um, it said Josh Long said uh, on YouTube, it's so hot out government actually does more good than harm. I, I, that <laughs> one, I like that one. Um, empty said, uh, it's so hot they installed their fan on the debt ceiling. Yeah that, yeah, that was, that was my that, favorite. That's, that's that one's awesome. And then, uh, you know, Jack B said uh, it's so hot out, the government is taxing air conditioning. Um, <laughs> yeah. So on this one, man, I the 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 pun and the allegory with empty, I think he he nailed it on that one. With yeah. The song, a, a yeah. Fan on the ceiling, that was great. So I'm not sure if empty is in the producers club or not, but but
0: all right. Well, thank you. Hey, by the way, a couple quick stories we missed from the producers club today. I hope everybody agreed with going long on Alex there. That was a lot of fun. Really good conversation. Totally. WRAL.com. I think it was Matt Baxley shared this one owner of venomous zebra Cobra previously bitten by green mamba snake. And it's good. Why is this a headline? It's because it's on the loose in rally. Uh, neighbors are waking up to another day of anxieties. Please police continue trying to catch the zebra cobra lost in a Raleigh neighborhood. The venomous snake can spit multiple feet, making even a morning dog walk a scary task. Yeah. Liability for venomous snake owner's insurance maybe. Um, and Joey wanted to point out that Ernestine Shepard um, at what, age 86? Yeah. Was certified by the Guinness Book of World Records as the Oldest female bodybuilder and
1: still runs action class. I saw platter. her, yeah, which makes that me amazed. want to debate
0: oh. the like definition of bodybuilder, but that's fucking awesome. We're gonna right? get her
1: on, man. And
0: all right, we just have a few seconds. Thank you. Let's get Jim, producer notes.
2: What's going on? Thanks for watching, everybody. You can see all the links we didn't get to cover <laughs> at t.me forward slash man. That's a public telegram channel. I'd like to give a shout out to our watcher on. Twitch, we got some Twitch watchers I've been following. We were up to five viewers on Twitch, so that's awesome. We're, we're branding out, yep.
3: Patreon.com
2: forward slash Adam versus the man shows you the different levels you can support the show. HomefrontBattleBuddies.com is an awesome veterans nonprofit that we're promoting, so definitely check them out. Instagram, at the Garden of Freedom is a handle. to Check out all the pictures and videos of everything going on with Adam up there in Gardenia. crypto 6com You can donate to the people that were rated up in Keene, New Hampshire, and GoGreenEnergyOnline.com is the best do-it-yourself website for off-grid learning. (laughs) Have a great day, everybody. Sorry for going
0: Peace and love you all. Choose happiness and be excellent to each other.